What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the first uh, episode here of Miked Up with Michael Roser and Drew Robinson. Drew, welcome. How we doing? It's a pleasure to finally get started. I'm looking forward to this uh, upcoming road we're, we're about to embark on. I could not agree more. And uh, obviously, we got the audio and visual streaming here. And for those of you joining us on the video stream, you can see the third co-host. We got Cleo Roser. Um, my the cat I opted to rescue about six months ago. She might not share really her opinions on many things, but the occasional meow might be worked in there as well. Um, Drew, I feel like this has been a long time coming. Yeah, we've been talking about doing something um, similar to this for a while now. Um, we've had a lot of unique, uh, interesting discussions about both current debates going on in the world and just. Uh, things we've learned in either classes in an educational setting or uh, outside on our own. And we thought we have, or at least we think we have some wisdom to share and um, so you need some unique perspectives to show to the world. Um, and so, yeah, it, it definitely feels good to finally be underway. Um, it's a test run here at first, so please forgive any, uh, a lack of video quality. Um, the audio what quality- What do you mean? I think you look great. <laughs> uh, no, but- Drew, I couldn't have said it better myself, and if I wanted to attempt to say it a little bit less eloquently, I would just sum it up by saying, like, we talk about some wild shit, and I feel like ever since, especially really 2020, um, there's just been some crazy stuff going around in the world, in our lives, that, like, we really just, like, through the art of conversation, I feel like really lean on one another to kind of just, like, make sense of, and not necessarily even saying, like, the world hasn't always been a crazy place. I'm sure if they could do podcasts back in ancient Greece, there would be some really uh, some really wild stuff going on back then as well. Um, but we just feel like we live in such unique and exciting times, whether that be what's going on in Ukraine, like from a geopolitical standpoint, whether that come from the technological space with artificial intelligence, which for everyone listening, Drew Robinson in the room here, uh, is definitely the resident expert when it comes to AI. Um, we both love sports, like really any topic. I feel like we're very passionate about a lot of things and we really just love to learn, discuss, hear other perspectives. I know it's just the three of us and yes, we're counting Cleo as a co-host right now, um, but obviously, our objective with this podcast is to have a lot of experts from just their respective fields onto the show and not only help us learn, but help our growing audience learn more about some really interesting things as well. Have a lot of laughs in between, talk some shit. Um, and that's really what we're going for here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to just to follow up on that, um, I think the skill that we have in, in part of the reason we wanted to start this is more of the, the discussion based kind of leading discussions, leading them to interesting places. Obviously, we're not experts in any of the stuff we talk about, um, though we are quite, um, I would say, educated in certain topics. Um, our goal here is more to prompt the more experts in the fields we're going to discuss. Um, and I think that, you know, this first run is going to be just kind of us talking about some of the things, giving you guys um, some exposure to how we might um, prompt one of these discussions. And uh, we hope you guys are interested and uh, we hope you enjoy a kind of new, unique perspective to this growing field of podcasting. You know, it, as cheesy as it is to start a podcast, it's definitely a uh, 
something I've, I've been looking forward to and uh, once again we hope you enjoy. Yeah, and we're excited uh, for everyone to be on this journey with us. Uh, we have no doubt it's going to be exciting and uh, we're looking forward to, where, to seeing where it takes us, I would say. Yeah, and so just to start with some background, um, why don't you start here? Just yeah, just to give a little bit of context, um, Drew and I are cousins actually. Uh, my mother is Drew's dad's sister. Uh, we grew up about five minutes apart from each other, so a lot, in a lot of aspects, we were really like brothers growing up. Um, you know, both of us come from a background, uh, very family oriented, worked tremendously hard in school, uh, for the most part, did very well athletically. And um, then in 2019, from 2015 to 2019, I went to the University of Texas down in Austin, which really was a phenomenal experience for me. And then professionally, I've been working in both the real estate space as well as uh, in the energy sector most recently, uh, kind of in an entrepreneurial role uh, at an energy startup. Yeah, and funny enough, uh, to start a little bit later, uh, I interned with him last summer, so we kind of grew not only a uh, like friendship growing up type bond, but also a professional one. Um, I think we worked very well together last summer. And uh, we, we've always, once again, kind of kind of figured we'd, we'd get to a point like this at some at some point, so it's fun to get overway. Um, but for my background, I am currently a rising senior at Kenyon College. I play baseball the, uh, at the school as well, center field. All um, conference. Deep D3 baseball life. Um, but yeah, over kind of since what Mike was saying, since COVID, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff transpired. You kind of get to that age where you... Speaking um, of COVID, I hate to interject, but where was... Uh, can you give me your proof of vaccination? <laughs> quick, please. <laughs> if that isn't a, a little prelude to some of, the, some of the things we might discuss, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, but yes, uh, anyway, I, we, we both kind of gained this intellectual curiosity on top of a you know, creative way of looking at all that's going on and kind of seeing where the future is going, relating some history, um, a very liberal arts humanitarian perspective to a lot of issues. Um, and then on top of that, I think we're a unique generation here just because we were kind of the first ones growing up to have technology introduced in our development, which I think is a pretty unique thing. You know, you hear a lot of, um, older guys in the podcast who kind of grew up in a different time period. And I think it, it, it's kind of unique to gain a perspective on all these issues. Um, keeping in mind that we did grow up during this super um, kind of crazy transition in human history. Um, and so that's kind of our goal in uh, overall. So <laughs> I'm glad you kind of touched on this because this is something I definitely wanted to bring up here on the first episode. Um, especially given your last semester and some of the professors that you had. Um, for those that don't know, Drew goes to Kenyon College, like you just mentioned, but Kenyon College is in Gambier, Ohio, right? Gambier. Uh, Gambier. And I actually had the luxury of visiting you this past semester. And when I say this place is out in the sticks and in the middle of nowhere, um, I don't know if there's a better way I can kind of sum that up, but it's pretty much a, a year-long nature bath for you, I would assume. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, the, some of the faculty there and just like the curriculum there is out of this world. Um, and it seems like you've really been able to learn from some like unbelievably bright people in the like, scientific field, which kind of I feel like has piqued your curiosity in artificial intelligence. But before we jump into this, 
in terms of our generations and our relationship, if you will, with technology, I do think I was probably the last generation that grew up knocking on door or knocking on front doors and ringing doorbells to hang out with friends. Yeah, um, I don't even know if you ever did that because we were always phone call. Definitely some of the some of the neighbors um, knocking the door, hang on the alley and whatnot, but. Um, Definitely like phone calls as far as I can remember back um, and then ever since then it's transitioned to texting and then snapchat and then whatever the hell it is these days that kids reach out to hang out. Yeah, what's going to be next? Uh, yeah. Neuralink maybe. So, sounds like brainwave. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, so with that being said, I wanted to kick it off by asking you about this article I recently read from the Wall Street Journal. So we will always be uh, sensitive to potential fake news around here on on this platform, but yeah. um, But WSJ, Wall Street Journal is pretty qualified, I would say. Um, And it was really fascinating. Last week they had an article interviewing this girl that just graduated from University of Illinois. And she was talking about her friend group in college and how they were all just sitting around one day and where they were all just like collectively looked at each other and were like, wow, we all have an addiction. And that was to their smartphones. Uh, at University of Illinois, I'm sure there may be potential other addictions involved as well. Um, jokes aside, quite the party school, great time though. Um, but they all went to the store the next day and got flip phones instead of their iPhones. And I personally feel as though, because we, we both have friends, I would say that like, hint at it they're like jesus like we're always on our fucking phones but everyone still seems to kind of play the game 95 percent. i looked up this before the episode 95 percent of u.s citizens right now have a smartphone maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> i would agree yeah. um so with that being said like do you in our lifetimes anticipate a transition almost back because i feel like a lot of people oftentimes mistake change for progress and i would say like even in our la- in, in the last 10 years, I feel like I just blinked and overnight everything was different. I, like, the la- I couldn't tell you the last time I've hung out with people where they weren't on their phones. Yeah, so, so uh, the first thing that comes to mind when you say all of that is it, it's almost becoming that each day is everything's new. You wake up and there's this headline, there's that headline. It's kind of like on to the next thing. On to the next. One of my professors at Kenyon actually called it um, an information attack, where basically our daily lives are all about just intaking information and it, it stimulates our brains in a way that's addictive and very, <clears throat> it gives you the feeling of like fulfillment and, and in the loop, you know, everyone loves to be in the loop, hear the new things, talk about them. Um, and I think that one of the dangerous things about that is it, it, it has caused people to become a lot less reflective. It's, it's caused people to, to you know, over jump to conclusions, to kind of like all over the place, attention's being pulled in different Sporadic directions. Sporadic thinking. And so relating all that to the smartphone, I think that a um, couple of the big things at play, you know, social media is the driving one. Um, that's, that's why people are on there. But, um, you know, it also shows in other ways with uh, everywhere you go, you're taking at least 50 pictures. Um, you gotta get a picture with this person, Dude. that person. Dude. Um, it, it seems like all anyone talks about is either what's going to happen in the future or... Um, other people. Other people. Um, and so that's another reason we kind of wanted to, to hopefully reach an audience that is interested in um, 
you know, kind of talking about all these issues. A lot, a lot of people have these inner thoughts that they can't really uh, speak out on these days, I think is a big part of it. Um, but again, relating this all back, I think that the, the issue with the smartphone and, and, and some of the next, ne negative externalities that are associated with it um, are this culture we've built where it's kind of just like people are quick to point the finger. Um, you know, it's easy to hide from social situations. It's easy to not take accountability. Um, and at the same time, it's easy to manipulate people. And so I think those kind of four things I just touched on are uh, a lot of the, the driving factors to some of the big issues we see today, like if we're talking about root causes. Definitely. But we also um, obviously want this to be a positive, inspiring, uplifting podcast. And sometimes this is another reason I love that we're doing this, because like sometimes I'll be having these thoughts about pretty much what you just alluded to. And I'm just like, shit wow, we're fucked as a society and as a culture. But at the end of the day, our, like, our societies in the past have faced probably threats way worse than this. Maybe. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> um, if you ask Elon Musk, he says AI is the biggest threat to civilization. Yeah. So Elon might disagree. Future guest, hopefully, someday. Um, That's the goal. That is the goal. But with that being said, there's also unbelievable benefits. Like we were t right before we started recording, in our pockets 24-7 is more computing power than what was used to get us to the moon. Uh, and Drew and I, uh, for the record, some might dub us conspiracy theorists, but that's one we're never, that's no, that's a conspiracy we're never going to be buying into, right? Um, oh, the moon. Yeah. No. It would have been, been harder to fake that video than it would have um, for them to actually go. Yeah. So <laughs> with that being said, you have this unbelievable tool in your pocket this podcast would not be possible right now without them. Um, there are countless, countless benefits of them. Communication with family, the ability to look things up in real time, calculators, GPS, you, we go on and on and on. Oh yeah, society wouldn't function the way it does without, with, with, with this innovation comes all the positives. Um, like we see this great city behind us, um, you know, some of the furthest innovations in, in technology. Um, all these great things that have occurred. So uh, that, that's another great theme you bring up about the show, uh, the, the ancient symbol of the yin and the yang. For every positive thing, for every new uh, innovation, there's its pluses and its minuses. And so we really like to give each perspective we talk about from kind of both of those angles and not just try and, um, you know, a lot of the brainwashing that's been going on today, as I'm sure we'll get into, is a result of people giving things from one perspective that fits one narrative and so our goal is a big one of our goals is to inspire people to think about things from opposing viewpoints and factor in outlying things that uh they might not be accustomed to usually focusing on and so that's uh definitely one of our, our, our big points here so i'm glad you, you brought that up as well uh certainly and i do want to actually preface this because another perhaps selfish uh, motivation of mine to have this podcast with you and any of our future guests is really this. Something I find is severely lacking in society nowadays that was not the case growing up is really the art of conversation. And that's not to sound cheesy, but I have a theory as to like why it has disappeared almost. Growing up with your friends, you might be, we, we could be in this situation and you can make a crazy statement. And get, we could spend the next two hours arguing about it, discussing it, and just letting conversation free flowly. Right. Now, I dare yourself or any of our listeners 
over the next week in any situation that you are in with coworkers, with friends, with family, anytime a conversation is being had, I want you to one, just make mental notes of how frequently on their phone they are on their phones, but two is anytime an argument comes up, there is no debate. There is no you give me your opinion and I'll give you mine and we'll arrive at a middle round. People are going straight to their phones, opening up Safari and finding out the answer right away. And I think so much gets lost with that in, in just, like I said, the art of conversation nowadays uh, has really diminished. And I bet you that's leading and contributing in large part to the furthering and furthering divide that exists in our society nowadays mainly politically, because no one's really conversing. It's it's just you say one thing, I say the other, and then I'm gonna go find 100 articles that support my opinion, and you can go find 100 that support you, but we're never gonna discuss, we're never gonna arrive at a common ground. Yeah, like we talked about before, blessings and curses um, of, of, of technology, and uh, I think that, I think you're spot on when you talk about the division. Um, you know, the, the human psyche is easy to manipulate, um, when you have uh, a centralized device in everyone's pocket where you can kind of feed them the information you want. And it, and it also helps when all the media companies, um, for the most part, are kind of owned under the same um, umbrella. So I don't know if that points to anything. We're, we'll try not to get too far into conspiracy land here, mm-hmm. um, but definitely something to consider. Until at least episode 10. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to build an audience first. But um, with that in mind, I would also like to say that uh, we our, our goal is to not be labeled as as any with any type of party. You know, we always talk about how there are um, pros and cons to both, and I think it's kind of turning into a game where both sides are trying to push each other against one another, kind of prisoners' dilemma where both parties kind of have no choice uh, but to polarize even further. Um, and so our goal is to also inspire one of our other goals. I keep saying that, but is to, we got a lot of goals. Yeah, we do. Is to bring people together and understand that they can talk about things, like you said, with the, with with the loss of conversation in society. They can discuss, reason, and debate things without having to get so emotional, screaming at one another, um, and and also referring to these these media articles that are just could not be more um, distorted in terms of the truth. Um, and so whatever small change we can make, that's, that's definitely a, an important mission of why we're doing this too. Um, and you know, it's funny, even um, when we talk to our, our brothers, my, my cousin Matt, who's his brother, and then my brother John, who's his cousin, um, tend to, sorry guys, but uh, chirp us for talking about this stuff and like, and like make fun of us for experimenting with stuff like Buddhism and like these other traditional cultures. Um, and so, <laughs> I've got a great representation of that. Yeah, for you. it might be a good time for that story. Quick side note. Um, so for those, for those of you guys that are watching right now, we are uh, recording this live from Chicago, Illinois, in my apartment here uh, in River North in the building. My brother and his wife live here as well. And they were my roommates at one time. I was living with Matt and uh, Ashley moved in during COVID when her law school got switched to a virtual and the rest is history. They're happily married now. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Ashley, best sister-in-law I could ever ask for. But I remember one time during COVID, uh, especially when we were like first, like really getting into this stuff. I was doing yoga before work one day 
And I did what I, I considered to be somewhat normal, lit a candle in my dark bedroom, roll out the mat that I'm doing it in, and I my brother opens this door at like 6.15 in the morning and just sees me there sprawled out on a yoga mat, no lights on, just a candle. And he just looked at me like he's never, I've never seen this kid look at someone like this before. And uh, for anyone listening that knows my brother, I think that kind of sums up what you were going to, what you were kind of describing their opinion on it. Because next thing I knew, I got a call from my dad later in the day. He brought it up. He's like, you were meditating this morning. Um, My mom asked about it as well. Clearly, it was just the gossip mill run wild. Um, But we stand by it. Absolutely. That, that's a big thing these days. You got to be able to stick with your gut, you know, no, no matter what you do. That's another uh, big theme of technology here. Um, repercussion of these phones and constant connectivity. You know, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, um, your small web of people is going to, to talk about it. Um, and I think it's these times more than ever, it's, it's, it's good to just kind of have thick skin and be able to uh, not really worry about what others think. And uh, I think it, it not only makes your life more fulfilling, but um, it is this audio good? Yep, audio checks good. Are you positive? Testing. Yes. Yeah. No, we're chilling. Uh, first episode. Sorry. First episode. Yeah. No, we'll cut that out. But um, back to what I was saying. Um, I think that's very important to stick by your gut. Um, obviously, be open to change and be open to reconsider new things, but. Um, just don't worry about what other people think. Easier said than done, but that's that's definitely a good thing to do. Um, it always ceases to am- amaze me. What does yeah. Marcus Aurelius say? Yeah. We also like to sprinkle some philosophy in, so we'll definitely get into that. Um, what does Aurelius say about it? He says we, we, we care more about what pe- what other people think. Or we, 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 like, we love no one more than ourselves, yet care more about what other people think than anything. That's it. It's nuts. Um, and I think some of that ancient wisdom is prevalent more so now than ever um, just because uh, sometimes it's important to reflect back to the roots when when times were simpler and uh, especially those 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 guys what a lot of people don't realize about these ancient philosophers is it was literally their job to walk around sit think and then eventually write ideas and I don't know about you but I can't think of a cooler Profession, profession, and thing to do, and I think that that that's why these guys are still talked about today, um, just because of how thoughtful they were and how in depth they went into the human psyche and with the limited resources they had, and their ability to intertwine narratives and generate content written so far back that can relate so much to today. It's, uh, I think, ancient wisdom is something that's becoming lost, and it's very prevalent. I would agree, and that's why I like this one author I love, Ryan Holiday, uh, lives down in Austin, Texas. Shout out Texas Longhorns, hook them. Um, but he's written like a couple books, Stillness is the Key, The Obstacle is the Way, and it's basically his interpretations of Marcus Aurelius's work, and Marcus Aurelius is probably the most... Uh, significant member in the stoicism community but seneca it's too. yeah seneca um heraclitus yeah yeah but with that being said like he and he doesn't only do marcus aurelius but basically his approach is to like put a modern interpretation of this ancient wisdom that like definitely still holds true and almost somehow Use thousands of years later yeah. yeah um but no i i really like ryan holiday uh 
And for those of you that don't know, Drew actually is the resident philosopher here, studies, uh, it's your minor, correct? Yeah, it's my minor. It's nothing, I think the thing about philosophy uh, is, you know, it's, it's very tough to master just because it requires a lot, a lot, a lot of reading and it requires a lot of time that you can't really, to fully understand philosophy, you, you got to become a professor, you got to take the academic route, um, which is becoming harder and harder to do these days and I think that we're in a dire need of uh, an economic reconstruction where they were more money is being allocated to those who um, pay or who teach our youth because I mean you ask you ask uh, speaking of ancient wisdom you ask uh, Plato or Socrates um, what the most important thing in a society is and he will say the education of the youth and that kind of hits home um, more so now than ever just because we're seeing what's happening in these in these educational settings where um, clear political narratives have infiltrated the schools. Um, I think it's fair to say that, like we said, we like to keep uh, part, like specific calls out to each side out of this, so we'll just say it in as basic terms as we can. Um, th there's a clear infiltration. These kids are, I would say, being raised incorrectly. You know, mm -hmm. Some of the things that I definitely think could benefit the youth should be in there. And I think it all stems from how low-paying and high cost it is to get up in the academic world. You have to go through a, a master's program um, and, and obtain that second degree, and that just puts you so in debt only to, to get a $50,000, $60,000 study yeah. salary. Yeah, and dude, that I, I really think that is spot on, uh, in ter and I think that's, it's inarguable almost that like a lot of the issues messing with society nowadays are stemming just from the education system that clearly needs reform. And dude, I could go pull up an article right now that I got sent last week about what they're teaching kindergartners at Crow Island Elementary School, which is where Drew and I both went in Winnake, Illinois. Like, I have very fond memories. Clearly, I think we were before this indoctr indoctrination attempt, it seems like. That's, unless we got brainwashed. Yeah, unless, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, I, dude, I was watching this, uh, YouTube video yesterday about ancient Sparta and it was talking about the king that really built the Spartans from just its average run-of-the-mill city-state that was it nah he I mean he was he was around probably a hundred or two hundred years after this guy but this was the first king that took them for just from your standard Greek city-state into like the empire that history remembers it uh, being known as and how did he do it he started taking children when they were seven years old and putting them in rigorous military training. And basically they were under the watch only of the highly elected officials that Spartans deemed worthy of teaching the next generation of Spartans. And you go think about it like, I'm not trying to be taught by some like loser that <laughs> is doing this just so they can get their union pension in 25 years. Like these people need to be compensated handsomely because you're spending, you're sending your kids, the future of your society to spend 70% of their weeks with these people. And like, I just don't think there was, there hasn't been enough serious consideration about that. In fact, I might argue that it should be the highest paying job in, in we should want to attract the, the brightest minds in society to be doing this. Like this is where are the brightest minds in, going nowadays finance. Finance, tech, AI. Well, I'll tell you what. The smart, the smartest of the, 
it's so hard to define that word because you don't only need like the smartest minds. You need something that's lost, talk about ancient wisdom, is, is virtue. Um, I think a lot of these, these people are just getting really good at what, you know, you can take some of those, the highest IQs and they're just really good at coding and like that's the one thing they're good at, but they're probably not good at some of the other things that most would consider virtuous, you know. So I think it's, you want to get someone who's balanced in all areas of life because I think that, um, yeah, the edu little tangent here, but I think a lot of people are getting attracted towards like studying one very niche thing and like specialization, obviously, as a um, country is expanding is going to get more and more narrow the bigger mm -hmm. it gets. It's just a, a, a result of like the laws of nature and in, in economics. Um, but I, I think for, for someone who's teaching our youth, there, there needs to be um, a very liberal arts. And this is why I love liberal arts education. You need a very like unique perspective across a diverse group of fields. And I, I think the, the type of people um, like that need to be attracted towards raising our youth. Um, and I think it can fix a lot of the issues we see in society. Yeah, and right now the society, <coughs> the society is not incentivizing anybody. Not at all. I think it's a Dale Carnegie quote. It's show me their incentive and I'll show you the outcome. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's pretty true where uh, I also think another, another thing that's negatively impacting society, obviously, is the politics. And um, we're talking about all these ancient philosophers. I think it was Aristotle that said, uh, if your citizens have an indifferent, the, the price good men pay for an indifference to politics is to be ruled by tyrants. So if you think about it in that sense, the, obviously now it seems as though some politicians are really cashing in on uh, the positions that they're being elected to. For the most part, like our society, if you're a congressperson, you're gonna be making 100 grand a year for your, entire, for your entire career there. There's no salary bumps or anything like that, which there probably shouldn't be. Not to factor in all the- uh, Investments that they're making. All the, uh, we'll, we'll call them external uh, modes of profit. Yeah, um, <laughs> for any of those that don't know what, at all what we're referencing, uh, go take a cold shower and wake up because um, yeah, it's, been, it's been pretty appalling, especially as of late. Um, the amount of monetization some of these politicians are making left, right, doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. I uh, shout out Unusual Whales on Twitter and Instagram. Could be the best page out there on the platform, but it literally just tracks. Here, this is a good benefit of technology. Pull up, uh, do you have Twitter? Yeah. Pull up Unusual Whales. Have you ever seen this before? I have not. Oh my God, dude. It literally just tracks all politicians trading that they do and it'll be like, Unusual whales, and it'll be like, oh, a congressman from uh, Colorado just sold a hundred thousand shares of Facebook the day before Congress uh, decided that they are going to ban Facebook on college campuses in their state, or something like that. Like that's just one example. This is the first thing. Like, yeah, dude, read up. a few of them. Holy shit, dude! Despite twenty twenty two being the worst market since two thousand eight, both Democrats and Republicans beat the market. Of course. Uh, I'm telling you, some of these people, you got to follow that page. Yeah. And uh, um, no, it's been the pharmaceutical investments that they've been making and the tech uh, investments that they've been making or their spouses are making are out of this world. Like they're beating don't the market. Don't get me started. And don't make me bring up Pelosi capital. Ex okay. Yeah. So they, they always talk about Pelosi on Unusual Whales. And I'll tell you this, the uh, 
and, and both Republicans and Democrats are guilty of it, but it's obscene. And I was reading an article about this actually again in the Wall Street Journal, and it was talking about how like how it's possible these people are getting away with it, and they Congress themselves, so the people benefiting millions of dollars from this, voted on a bill to punish insider trading from House members. Uh, and the maximum penalty is five thousand dollars. So fifteen hundred. Yeah, like I'm that. gonna go. Yeah, so like I'm gonna go make a million dollar trade, and I'll yeah. get a five thousand dollar fine from it. <laughs> so this this leads us to uh, something we've been talking about a lot, which uh, is definitely controversial, but pretty pretty apparent at this point. Uh, so I mean, I I think it's fair to say that we would both agree that COVID is was most certainly in some way some type of insider job because. If you look at it from the beginning, here's Did how you, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Drew Robinson is on the record no less than 45 minutes ago saying we're not getting into conspiracy <laughs> theories on this so show. So this one I, uh, is definitely not a conspiracy. Um, and I'm, I, before you freak out and, and make conclusions based on what I just said, here's what I mean by that. So this thing comes out, right? Um, and lo and behold, a couple a couple months in, um, the market reaches an all-time low. Everyone's panicking, right? Um, and then you look at some of the trades that were made um, during that time period. And I'll, I'll just use one one for instance, but um, there are a lot of others. What's your password here? I gotta find something I'm unusual. Twenty-one, twenty-three. Oh wait, we said that on live there. I might need to cut that out. That's anyway. The, the, trade the option made. calls that were that were made on Pfizer and Moderna stocks by Pelosi Capital is just one example. Um, it is pretty crazy to think about for for these politicians to be to be able to make this much money during um, such like hard times. It, it incentivizes um, disasters as being profitable for large businesses and for the government especially. And it's kind of scary because. Can I say for sure that it was orchestrated? Absolutely not. But can I say that they benefit aggressively from it? Absolutely. And so it really does make you wonder if, um, what, what, how, to what extent they were, if, if at all, involved in it. I think it was recently confirmed that it was, in fact, a U.S. lab in, in, in Wuhan um, that, that where it was released. Hey, that's xenophobic to say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we don't get canceled during this show. Um, uh, if we were on YouTube, it would be, but we're on, we're streaming through Spotify. Yeah, Rogan. Um, anyway, uh, I, I, I won't get too much deeper into it, but it, no, it no, is, I do. It is definitely something to look out for. Um, you know, it, it is kind of worrisome for that to be the case that uh, it is now profitable for the, these people to. Uh, have crises, you know, you look at the energy crisis that's coming. Uh, it started with, I mean, it's been around for, how, think about how long, oil. Oil was the, was the cause of everything in Afghanistan and those, in, in those Middle Eastern countries. Um, but it was profitable for the companies making the weapons in the U.S. War is, tech, is, is profitable for the, for, the, for the country. And then, you know, it's kind of on to the next issue, which uh, I think currently is becoming energy because they are just profiting insane amounts off of um, basically forcing the economy to um, invest massive amounts of money into clean energy. Where do you think they're going to invest their own money? They're going to invest their own money in the companies that they know are going to get grants from from them, subsidized, uh-huh. and it, it, it's just like, it's such an easy way for them to make money. And it's, it, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, it's it's the perfect business model to essentially, by law, mandate people to use your product. I can't really think of a good example. Have you ever heard of something within the last five years where the government or a company, the government was invested in billions with billions or trillions of dollars that was then forcibly mandated upon all the citizens? Uh, uh, that's a little, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you clearly see it in the pharmaceutical companies a bit. Um, well, think about, think about, speaking of pharmaceutical industry that you bring up, think about how profitable it is for them to, first of all, prescribe people things they know are bad for them. And then once those bad effects kick in, be the only people with the solution to those bad things, which tends to be another medication that has its other ramifications. Dude, and it's just like an endless loop. We could talk, we could talk for another yeah. eight hours about the pharmaceutical industry yeah. itself and the health and wellness space in the United States of America, because that's another crisis that I think needs the most attention right now um, that's really facing our society. But to um, to stay in line with what we were saying originally, yeah, I mean, like, in regards to the energy space itself, I definitely, and I worked firsthand, I've, I've worked in an, at an energy startup for the last two years. Drew obviously interned with us last summer. Um, it's crazy. But we, we were more so on the utility side of things, not necessarily um, the whole green energy initiative. But when it comes to the green energy initiative, it, it it's the perfect jackpot for politicians to mandate by law. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch, like California, I believe, has now mandated that that 90% of the cars that they drive in the state are going to be EVs by 2030. Are you sure that's not U.S. government? Or no, maybe I, mean, I read it was a, it's projected that 50% of the world's new cars. Yeah. Maybe if they're not already, that's something. Yeah, yeah, look it up. But, but just to uh, wrap up my point, the the uh, California electric grid has already failed like three times this year yeah, because they don't have and, the, and talk about the wildfires like it's crazy yeah so there's clearly one I mean these just politicians making brash statements like by 2030 when I'm already out of office this is going to be mandated by law so that is a little finicky like I don't I don't think um, I don't think they have the infrastructure to really ramp it up as quickly as they they hope to but. It's clearly, majority of it is clearly just a sham because if these people truly cared about the environment as much as they claim to, why are they all then flying their private jets and taking their 50 car motorcades to the G2 summits that they're having on an annual basis at different places all around the world? And they're burning more carbon emissions than you and I would in 10 of our lifetimes. So like that right there, makes me laugh and like disregard any statements that they make about it. And it reminds me back of COVID. It's like, what is the essence of tyranny? Do as I say, not as I do. And I'm a big actions over words guy. And like, just take a look at that and be like, these people, if what they're telling me is true and like Hawaii's going to be underwater in five years or 50 years, whatever they say, why are they one flying their fucking private jets to these places and then only driving gas gas cars like they're not like uh, Joe Biden's motorcade isn't EVs and Teslas yeah. now like they're driving fossil fuels. And then two, why are they then buying beachfront properties in Miami and Hawaii if those seawater levels are rising and Antarctica is going to be melted in five in, in whenever they say it will be? All great questions, and uh, for, I think people can kind of make their own 
um, conclusions on that, but I cannot agree more. I think it's it's so blatant at this point um, for them to just be able to get a, away with it um, is another part of the reason we wanted to, to start doing this, maybe open some people up to uh, these new insights regarding these things. And I think that's a prime example of one of the major uh, issues and things that we need to keep our eye on in, in, in the coming years is how hypocritical a lot of these people are, super high up, again, on both sides, about these prominent issues that are, are, are people are dedicating their lives to. Like you think about how many people are, are in clean energy now, how, how many people are, are, are actively, um, you know, kind of debating for this stuff. And, and they all, the, the part that's almost worse about it is how nonsensical of an approach they take. You know, you constantly hear about, oh, the environment's this, that with uh, carbon, this with that. Um, but there's never a solution. It's like, I'm, I'll be the first one to say that, despite what people may la label me as, climate change is definitely an issue and one that we will be faced with um, in our lifetime. I mean, why else would Musk be trying to get us to Mars? Clearly, he sees potential future like that. And, and like he says, whether it's 10 years away or 100, 150, um, it, it's going to be an issue and something that it, it, we're responsible for for the next generation. Um, and so, I, do I agree that there's an issue? Yes. But do I, I agree that it's okay to um, wait? Did you just pause? No, no, no. It's really bad. But but do I agree that basically the, what I'm trying to say is we need to start taking proactive steps towards how we're going to fix it? Like think about Elon Musk. Like he wants to get us to space in the, in, in in a good way. Um, and so he, he goes and does something like starts SpaceX and in order to get financing, what does he do? He comes up with a brilliant idea. I'm going to put satellites out in space that can give the people free internet, which mm -hmm. is a brilliant idea because then he gets a ton of funding. For now, he revolutionized space travel by creating a reusable rocket. We can now get things into space easier. We can give developing countries free access to the internet. We need more guys like that. Is that a good thing? I do think it is, yeah. Free access to the internet? Yeah. I would love... And I don't... How about just, reusable rockets, though? That's huge. I'm a big Musk fan. He's more skeptical. Nah. I like Musk so, so far with everything he's done, but my only hesitancy is he's the one that does want to put the, the microchip in the mm, back of my head. I think he knows it's coming one way or another, and I think he wants to be the one who does it because he is very... I mean, dude, why else would he be trying to get us to Mars? Yeah. Um, like he's done a lot of good for the people. Like, think about with Twitter. Like he's he's he saved, standing he up saved free these, speech for sure. He's standing up against these people. I agree. Um, I like Musk. I like Musk. I've never met him. I like the majority of what I see from him. Yeah. But I'm just saying, till I shake someone's hand and look him in the eye, I'm not about to like <laughs> put a microchip in my head because they say so. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know. We're talking about Neuralink, which is one of Elon Musk's companies that uh, its mission is to put artificial intelligence right in the well, back of our minds. Well, or there's a lot of medical. There's a lot of enhancements you can do, whether it's like you're blind and, and you need your vision restored, it can do that. Um, it can. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> that's freaking awesome. awesome. That's awesome. But that's that's kind of the thing he's like making it for. Um, ultimately, I think he has some some bigger goals because he's under the firm belief that it's only a matter of time before these AI do become conscious and, and um, they break that they break the line and pass the Turing test um, and uh, become conscious and he thinks that our only hope is to ultimately um, 
intertwine with them and become cyborg, which is a scary thing to think about, but it is also a very realistic thing that we may face even in our lifetimes. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone, chat GBT, like the big thing now, um, is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what these things can do. And so ultimately he thinks we're going to have to join. Um, let's hear your thoughts on that. I, <laughs> uh, I know you're quite against it. Wait, are we filming the next movie, The Matrix, <laughs> right now? Um, sounds like you're describing the plot. I mean, no, dude, I'm not insane. Like, I, I recognize the growing role technology is playing in our society, and I'm like capable of recognizing the countless benefits uh, and really superhuman powers that could potentially give us, right? If I have something in my in my head that can detect the growth of a cancer cell in real time, sign me up. Like that's fantastic. But I also only do get one life, right? Like I'm also not trying to be part of a medical experiment. And like, I don't know, I've seen enough like sci-fi horror movies to just like Seems like it can go pretty bad pretty quickly, and uh, that's why Hollywood fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where the, why are they making any movies about how awesome it can be? Yeah, yeah but because it doesn't attract anybody. So, but like, let me. So I was thinking about this because I knew we were going to talk about this topic a lot on the show. So, like, think think as as if that's a potential future experiment in terms of intermixing technology and humans, right? I would argue that over the last 10 years, and this is kind of what we first started talking about at the start of this episode, I would say that we're about 10 years into another experiment, intermixing human beings and technology. Very powerful technology that in human history, at least in- terms of the latest. Yeah, but I'm saying like, until pretty much 10 to, 10 to 12 years ago, I think the iPhone was invented 2007. Yeah, but like- Mass adopted 2012-ish. Right? It's not like the hardware that's gotten better, it's the software. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The I mean the hardware has improved for sure, but like, yeah, everyone's fucking glued to these things nowadays. Yeah. Everyone well, is. Well I'm saying everything that like the software is like everything on the air. Like, yeah. Everything like like everything's becoming like chat GPTs on the air. Like these things aren't mechanical. Once we broke through that barrier of like being able to do these things on the web and store it store in like like Again, wavelengths. That's how you transfer data. Um, very cool. But anyway, before we could do that, where we could have like Amazon Web, all these massive like web air services, like we were limited by the capabilities of the hardware mm-hmm. of the gotcha. binary systems. But anyway, that was a quick side tangent. No, no, no. I'm glad you said that. But, and I would agree. But let's say we're in terms of like the commonly accepted iPhone in your pocket. Let's say, let's call it 10 years. And look at that as like a social experiment. How do you think things have gone for us societally? So if you asked me this a year ago, I would say a very different answer than I. I've, I've become a lot more optimistic, um, mainly just because I think like we don't have a choice. Um, but I'd say overall, it's tough to say because it has like, there are a lot of benefits. It's very entertaining. It's very cool to be able to like catch up on like all these sports highlights and see all these things that you wouldn't be able to see otherwise. Hear like influential people speak. Um, so there are like all those really play chess whenever you want. You know, <laughs> yeah. chess is fucking awesome. Um, but so, so those things for sure. The negatives that I would say we haven't experienced, but like society as a whole is experiencing. 
as much as I want to say, yeah, there are a lot of bads and a lot of, I think it, 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 it's something that like, we're going to have to deal with it. So rather than looking at it like, oh, it's bad. I think we need to be like, no, like it can be bad. Parents, you need to, you need to get your kids, um, up to date on like how to use it wisely and not just let them fall accustomed to these things. And yes, it's easier said than done, but like, I think that's an approach we're going to need to take. So honestly, that's how I'd respond to it today. How about you? I'm curious. So I, I really like how you said that. Like I definitely, yeah, like a year ago, I probably would have been far more pessimistic. Um, and I am like, I am very thoughtful of all the upsides. There are a ton of upsides and I'm a big believer of the, uh, of the quote, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. And like with my own two eyes, uh, I'll go around Chicago. I had to go to Indiana a couple weeks ago, visited you in Ohio on these like drives across middle America. I just look around with what I see. Life seems pretty freaking awesome. Like life's great in the US right now. Um, But then like you go on Twitter, you read the news and it's like World War III is about to start. Um, All hell's broken loose across the country. But so part of me is kind of in terms of believing just like with my own experiences outside of like, sure, it's frustrating when I'm trying to talk to someone and they're on their freaking phone for 90% of the conversation. But for the vast majority, I would say like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, exactly. I would say like for the most part, yeah. Like, I mean, I have no, I have no issues with, with the world nowadays and stuff. And like, I do think for the most part, I'm conscious of it and try and use my phone strategically and beneficially and all is good. But um, I don't know. You look at, and like, like I said, believe half of what you see, maybe I'm not seeing this firsthand, but, uh, divorce rates skyrocketing. I bet you the emergence of like e-dating and all that sort of, sort of stuff. And just like the accessibility to like infinite people definitely contributes to that. I mean, depression and anxiety rates amongst like the youths in America skyrocketing, Suicide rates going up significantly, addiction rates. I mean, I'm not saying technology is the technology is the only thing driving these things, but like addiction it's rates. Certainly think, a root cause. Yeah. Or like I mean, just think about it when it comes to addiction. Like I'm sure these I don't know what it was like a hundred years ago, but like I'm sure now when you get a thirteen year old kid that's capable of finding someone on Craigslist that can give them crack or something. Um, I don't know. It's just like all these infinite more temptations that kind of exist for people nowadays because of technology. But I don't like, sometimes I, I, I'm guilty of like romanticizing the past. Like in the 1800s, one in four women in London was a prostitute. Like wife wasn't fantastic. Yeah, maybe. Um, the thing about history, like we don't even know what it was like even if we like, but I think we do 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 a good job of like putting ourselves like in the frame of mind of like what it may have looked like. Not yeah, yeah, but like, um, yeah. So like, it's easy to kind of like, yeah, we do do a good job keeping like that context in mind. But I don't know, like, if you're if you're uh, worried the next day that Native Native Americans might be arriving at your fort to pillage you and like, is that politically correct? Native. I, I'm a big believer. I'm a big fan of the Native Americans, and yeah, I do think savages. That's not politically correct. I meant like I, in a good way. way. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> like so. I think it's so, like they're, they're like they were huge in the psychs. Um, they were very like spiritual, which I really like. And um, guess what? They were physically. They were like examples of physical perfection. Yeah. Then again, what you just said, like how much of like what you hear about history do you think is true? Yeah. This is something that I've been thinking about 
so much recently because I love, love, love history. And I just look today and I'm like, 90% of the articles I read are lies. So for that matter, how much of history, like this quote that this guy 2,500 years ago said, like, did he really freaking say Not that? Not to imagine it was translated. Yeah, 100%. Like Napoleon is, like, has a great quote. He goes, what is history but a set of lies we've all agreed yeah. upon. So it's like... It's crazy, dude. All we have to go off of it, too, is like, obviously, like, I will say, like, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, we, we do know a lot of just because of, like, they were the first ones to start the tax. Like, luckily, we found fucking the Library of Alexandria, mm-hmm. which was, like, contained all those documents. And by the way, the history behind all that is even crazy because, like, there was a good chance we weren't even going to find it. And then, like, eventually we did in an excavation. But it's nuts how, how you, all you have to look back at it is text that we translate, which could very well be somewhat incorrect. Yeah. Or even, like, hieroglyphs from the ancient Egyptians. Let's not even get started with ancient Egypt quite yet. We'll I save that for another episode. I think we need to save that for an on-site episode at the Pyramid of Giza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, back back to uh, what we were just discussing. Um, I do think that. Um, wait, what were we talking about again? <laughs> uh, we were Sorry, about I just started thinking about nah, that pyramids. I can't blame you there. Now we were talking about history and like to what extent that it's actually. Oh, true. absolutely. Yeah, I, I I started to think about that too. Um, I I do think that um, the the way we're taught history too. Speaking back to teachers. See a lot of the themes we, we speak about overlap a lot. Um, I think that like the fact that it's taught out of a textbook from like one or two people's um, opinion on it and then taken as fact is absurd. You want to get into a conspiracy theory, Drew? <laughs> I'll, I got one for you. History I saw written by the victors. History is written by the victors. This is a good example. Uh, I have not independently researched and verified this yet, but it seemed relatively reputable when I was looking into it uh, briefly the other day. And it was talking about how the American education system, the current modern US education system, was mainly designed by John D. Rockefeller. And this guy, I mean, John D. Rockefeller is like the original titan of American education. Like what? Like how you. Basically, just like. What they were teaching them, like what's like what skills they wanted them to acquire, um, and just kind of like the people they wanted to mold. And uh, take it for what you will, right? Like this is just like a quote from the internet, but it was like this guy. His only interest was in creating workers. That's all he wanted. He wanted like obedient, prompt workers. And like you need workers in society, obviously. But this guy wasn't looking for like intellectual revolutionaries and like that's not what he was trying to like teach people in he was like i want these people to be employees of mine yeah which is like that's kind of fucked yeah (laughs) look at at it today what does everyone encourage you to do like even if you're an outstanding student i say go get a job in investment banking it's like do do you think there do you do anything no you make fantastic money because you do this hard-ass work that requires no intellectual curiosity, it requires sitting down, getting to work, pen on paper, 24-7, focused on making that firm and that firm alone money. Do you think you're worried about like addressing things that actually matter? No, it's profit for profit's sake. And this is nothing against any of the investment bank finance culture out there because it's awesome to make a lot of money and 
be able to have a ton of freedom and it's one great way to go through life. Um, making money is a great thing to do. You know, this system is designed to, for the winners to make money. So making money is awesome. Um, we're simply just, just bringing up how like, um, it's good to have a side of intellectual curiosity as well. Um, and I think I, honestly, investment banking was a bad example on my end. Um, I kind of mean something. I get what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, yeah, it is that. That's a very interesting point. I did not know that about Rockefeller. Yeah, we should look. We should look into that and see, like, how, to what extent that's true before the next episode. Um, but like, yeah, Rockefeller. I mean, Rockefeller was obviously a phenomenal businessman, but um, there I have read some stuff about some uh, some shady aspects of his uh, character potentially. Yeah, and like, it's hard to get. Filthy. The, 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 you ever seen the movie The Social Network? I have. Yeah. Yeah, like on the on the movie poster, it says like you can't make a million friends without making some enemies. So like I'm a big believer that anyone who gets to that level probably has a few skeletons in their closet. Absolutely. Like that one. Who was that one big financier from uh, Florida that got arrested a couple of years ago? Uh, Epstein. Je- <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> um, yeah. Scumbag. Scumbag, yeah. Uh, potential CIA agent as well, or informant. Uh, Definitely. We won't think? get into that. Yeah. No, we won't get into that. But yeah, um, Drew, I think this is a... This is might be it for the first episode. Yeah, I would agree. It was uh, definitely a good start. We'll have to look back, review the film. Hopefully it was all right. Um, if, if you made it this far, we, we thank you. We doubt many people will. Um, outside of us too, maybe Cleo. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. But no, this is the first of it. this is the first of many unbelievable journey we're embarking on here. And uh, to any and all that want to hop along for the ride, we welcome you uh, and we appreciate it. Thanks, y'all.